Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's give it up for those kids one more time. What a great... They were belting it out, weren't they? Did a great job. Good morning. It's so great to worship with you. I want to start this morning by telling you a story about a guy named Jack. Now, Jack one day was walking near a cliff. And he was getting a little too close to the cliff because he was intrigued at what was down below. And as he got a little too close to the cliff, he slipped and he began to fall. And in desperation, as he's falling down, he reaches and he grabs onto a branch that was about 30 feet down from the surface. And he's desperately holding onto this branch and he looks down and there's about a thousand foot drop and he's scared for his life. There's nothing he can do. There's no way on his own he can get back up to the top. So he immediately begins to yell for help. He's, help! Anybody, can you hear me? He's yelling for hours, this went on. As he's struggling to hold on to this branch, he's yelling for hours. Is there anyone up there who can throw a rope, who can help me? I'm stuck. And just when he was about to give up hope, he hears a voice. Hey, who's down there? And he says, hey, I'm down here. Can you hear me? Who are you? And the voice says, I'm God. I'm here for you, Jack, and I'm gonna help you. And Jack goes, oh, please, God, Please, thank you. If you get me down from here, I will devote my life to you again. I will rededicate it. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll give more. I'll serve more. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God says, hey, easy on the promises. Let's just, let's just get you down. And so Jack says, great, let's get me down. And so God says to Jack, okay, listen carefully. Let go of the branch. Jack says, what? God says it again. Let go of the branch and trust me. Jack thinks about it. He looks at the branch. He looks at the ground, takes a long pause, and he says, help, help, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) Couldn't let go of the branch even when God was there telling him to. Can anyone relate to that? I don't know about you, but in my own life, I sometimes have trust issues. I've seen God work in my life. He's done so many incredible things for me. I've experienced his power, his presence, his word, I've heard his voice. I've been led by his spirit. But there are times in life where it's still hard to trust. There's some of us in here with trust issues. Can you relate to that? Even though the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There's so many verses about trusting God, but how many times do we say, yeah, but I still need to have the reins. I still need to be in control because the only person I really trust is me. How many people are in here, if I were to ask some of the teens in this place, when you clean the bathroom, does your mom have to come behind you and redo it? Because she just doesn't quite trust you to get the job done the way she would do it. Some of us have trust issues. We just don't know. And it's interesting, it's an interesting time here in Detroit because we have a football team that's 10 and four for the first time in a long time. And what's interesting about it is there's such a culture of losing in this town, football games. So when the Chicago Bears beat us last week, and we were nine and three and they beat us, and it was a game we should have won, what did everyone do? Same old Lions, it's over the whole season. We were still nine and four. But because we have trust issues with this team, We couldn't trust that they weren't gonna completely go downhill from there. But I think they proved to us last night that they're not the same old team. Can I get an Ama? All right. Trust is an important component. Trusting God with our lives and God being able to trust us as well. And I wanna take a look this morning at one of the most famous couples in all of history. Now, I posed this question on Facebook earlier this week. I posed a question that said, who, is, who do you believe is the most famous couple in history? And I was overwhelmed with like 130 comments on this question. And we had all kinds of famous couples throughout history. What made me chuckle is the first comment was Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. (laughs) It's like, come on, can't escape it no matter where I go. But I got a couple other clever answers like Jim and Pam from The Office, even though they were a fictional couple. Ricky and Lucy, Elvis and Priscilla, Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, eh, you know, hey, it's an answer. Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Chip and Joanna Gaines. Beyonce and Jay-Z was one of them. Someone else said Sonny and Cher. One girl said Ken and Barbie, thought that was funny. My favorite, though, I think, was Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Come on, that's a good one. But then I got some Bible characters as well, like Adam and Eve, pretty famous couple. Ruth and Boaz, Abraham and Sarah, David and Bathsheba. So I had some some interesting ones. But then someone asked me, but what's your opinion, Chris? What do you think? And I think... The most famous couple in, script, or in history has to be Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph because they gave birth to the savior of the world. All humanity is 
different because God could trust this couple. And I want to read their story, a little bit of the Christmas story this morning found in Matthew 1, and see how God was working in the life of Joseph and Mary. Verse 18 says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So the name of this series is Miraculous, and I don't know about you, but an angel appearing to you in a dream confirming your fiance is pregnant by the Holy Spirit is pretty miraculous. And sometimes I don't think we understand the gravity of what that must have felt like. Sometimes we think that if you read this, oh, an angel appeared to Joseph, this is what it, it probably looked like. This is what we might think. It's nice and it's sweet, but it, in reality, it more likely looks something like this, this miraculous being, this angel appearing. This is why people, when you hear throughout Scripture, angels appearing, they say, do not be afraid because they're miraculous. They're huge. They're glorious. And this being comes and says, everything is true. It really is a miraculous story. And sometimes we think our lives are crazy, but can you imagine being chosen to birth the Savior of the world? They technically weren't even married yet. They were betrothed to one another, the Bible says could have said engaged, but I love that word betrothed. <laughs> I really do. It's a really cool word. In fact, I walked around all week going up to my wife and say, remember when I proposed and you were betrothed to me? <laughs> I did this all week long. She kept rolling her eyes at me. She's probably tired of it now. But what do we really know about these two, Joseph and Mary? I mean, what made them special? What was it? And if we look at Scripture, there's only a few things we really know about these two. If you look at Joseph, we know his father's name was Jacob. We know he was a carpenter. We know he was from the line of David. You can see that in the genealogy in Matthew. But the thing that stands out the most is in Matthew 1.19 where the Bible calls him a righteous man. He was a righteous man. 
Other versions say he was a just man. So I wanted to look that word up in the Greek to see exactly what that word meant because it's really one of the only words to describe Joseph. In the Greek, it's the word dikaios, which means righteous, observing divine laws, in a wide sense, upright, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. He was a person who was upright, righteous, had a good reputation, and he kept the commands of God. And then when you look at Mary, we don't know a lot about her. We can assume that she was probably not very wealthy, but she was probably from a Jewish family, poor. She was also in the lineage of David, which is interesting if you look at the different gospels, Matthew and Luke. Matthew gives the lineage to Joseph and Luke gives the lineage to Mary, both of them in the line of David. But we know about Mary is even though she was young, maybe as young as 13, probably as old as 18, there was something special about her. She was set apart. She loved the Lord. And we know this because when she visits her cousin Elizabeth, and they have a moment together where Elizabeth's pregnant with John the Baptist and she's pregnant with the Savior of the world, and the baby in Elizabeth's tummy leaps because it senses the Messiah in Mary. And then Mary sings a prophetic song which is basically quoting three different Psalms of the Old Testament. She wouldn't have had a scroll. She wouldn't have had access to the Old Covenant. She would have had to memorize this. She would have had to learn it. So we can see that both Mary and Joseph were devout in their faith. They loved God. They tried their best to live for him, and God trusted this couple, and they trusted God. Now, according to the Harvard Business Review, trust has three critical components. This is what they say. In our experience, trust has three core drivers, authenticity, logic, and empathy. People tend to trust you when they believe they're interacting with the real you. That's the authenticity. When they have faith in your judgment and competence, that's the logic. And when they feel that you care about them, that's the empathy part. Authenticity, logic, and empathy. And I believe God chose Mary and Joseph because they displayed all three of these characteristics. You can see that Joseph was empathetic because when he learned his future wife was pregnant, he decided to divorce her, but he decided to divorce her quietly so she wouldn't be harmed. That's empathy. He was authentic. He was a man of character. He had good judgment, and so did Mary. And so this story, this Christmas story between Mary and Joseph is about miraculous trust. And I want you to think about that for a minute, trust. You being trusted and you trusting and having faith in God. 
You see, the story says in Matthew 1.18, I want to read this one more time. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. That's crazy. No one would have believed this. Joseph didn't even believe it. He didn't even believe it at first. And if Joseph, the person who loved Mary the most, didn't believe it, who else was going to believe this? Now, we live in a day and age with technology where you can get pregnant more than one way. Back then, they didn't. There was one way to get pregnant. In fact, you weren't even allowed to be alone for more than 20 minutes with the opposite sex back in this time period. That's how serious they took this kind of stuff. And so nobody really would have believed this story. So this took a crazy amount of trust on Joseph and Mary's part. Can you imagine them saying, okay, they wake up, both of them have confirmations from an angel that the Messiah is inside of Mary and that Joseph and Mary are going to parent this child, right? They have confirmation of that. So now they get to tell everybody, hey, mom and dad. <laughs> How do you think their parents reacted? How do you think Mary's parents reacted? How do you think their friends reacted? How do you think the people in their community, in their synagogue, reacted? How would you react? Would you believe this crazy story that we, Mary and Joseph, are actually a part of prophetic history in a little town of Nazareth, birthing the Messiah? Now remember, Joseph was a righteous man. His reputation was on the line here. So it took a ton of trust. And on top of trusting God with their reputation and their future and their life, we've got to remember they were faced with more challenges. Mary, nine months pregnant, had to get on a donkey and travel 90 miles. Nine months pregnant, travel 90 miles on a donkey to Bethlehem. There was no supernatural accommodation for Mary. There was no room in the inn. There was a stable waiting for them. So God gives them this crazy calling. He sets them apart for history. And I, I think maybe Mary and Joseph probably thought, oh, cool, he's going to provide for, like, we are gonna, we're never going to have to worry about a thing again. But that wasn't the case. They were faced with the same adversity we all face, if not way more. But this is the reason why God chose them. Because they really believed that no, no matter what problem they faced, no matter what adversity they went through as a family, 
no matter what the world threw their way, no matter what people said about them, no matter what people did to them, that God chose them and set them apart and he was with them and he was faithful. And he trusts, they trusted him with that. And I think that's what God's wanting from us. To say in our lives, no matter what I'm walking through, no matter how hard life can be, no matter the loss we experience, the tragedy, the trauma, I want you to know I'm with you and you can trust me. This is the lesson we can learn, the miraculous lesson, because it's so hard to trust in these moments sometimes. When you've been hurt, when you've been burned, when you feel like someone hasn't been authentic, they haven't been empathetic, they haven't been logical, it's so hard then to open yourself up and trust anybody, let alone God. So what do we do? We take matters into our own hands, we do what we can touch, what we can see, what's tangible, and we just go and we leave God and everyone else behind. But this story is not about birthing the Messiah on their own and in their own strength. It's about trusting God to provide, to be faithful to be good even in tough times and we can trust him for that as well see they're birthing the messiah i don't think there was a parenting book out at that time on how to birth and raise the messiah I mean, we live in a day and age where we're on information overload. You can get parenting books, you can get advice, you can get YouTube, you can go on YouTube, you can listen to podcasts. But can you imagine the pressure on these two to birth the Messiah, and it was their first kid? Like, what was that gonna look like? What was that gonna entail? Was he gonna be normal? Was he gonna cry more or cry less? Was he gonna speak early or not at all? Was he gonna come out of the womb and just tell them what to do? <laughs> what was this gonna be like? And then, do we need to protect him? Like I can imagine a father's and mother's heart to protect their kids, but this is the Messiah now. Can you imagine them introducing this kid to their friends? Hey, this is Jesus. He's the son of God. He's our son, but he's also the son of God, and he's going to save the whole world from their sins. Oh, that's nice. Okay, thank you. Good for you. But can you imagine this pressure? Do you imagine how many days they were freaked out about this? How many days they probably doubted, God, you're probably thinking you picked the wrong person right now. How frantic it had to be. Especially when they realized he was a kid just like other kids. He could break a bone. He could get hurt. He could get sick. Imagine this. Maybe it's not what we thought it was gonna be. We didn't know what to think. 
We see this because we see they're worried about him because when he's 12 years old, they get separated. And Mary panics. Where is Jesus? He was preaching in the synagogue at 12 years old. So he was set apart, but he was also still a kid. It was a tough calling. It was a life and a future that required a tremendous amount of trust. And literally, Mary and Joseph would have had no one they could really go to who understood what they were going through. Think about that. In the challenging times, when Jesus disappeared at 12 years old, who's Mary gonna call up on the phone and be like, can you believe what Jesus did? Like, like can you help me? Can someone help me raise this kid? No one knew. There was no one on the planet who had ever done what she was doing. No one to, to say, hey, I know what you're going through. I mean, isn't that what brings us comfort when we walk through hard things is talking to someone else who's walked through it? You've gone, oh, thank you. Give me some wisdom. Give me some advice. Give me some help. There was no one they could talk to who knew what they were going through. This calling was hard. This future was hard. And some of you, you know what that's like right now. You're walking through something and you feel like nobody knows what I'm going through. I'm all alone. People know I'm hurting. People know I've experienced loss or pain during this season. But their lives are moving forward. And no one's there. I'm alone. I can barely breathe. I can barely make it today. Maybe some of you it's not as dramatic, but it feels weighty. There's something weighty going on this season. There's questions about your future. There's things you, you don't know. You want answers. You, you need wisdom. And you just feel like, man, can I, who can I talk to? And I want to let you know this morning that if you feel alone, you're not alone. Mary and Joseph understand, and even though they didn't have anyone who knew what they were going through, they had a heavenly father who said, I am with you. I promise to never leave you or forsake you. He says this in Romans 8, 28, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So whatever's weighing you down this holiday season, whatever's wearing on your mind, whatever's wearing on your emotions, you can trust God. You can believe that he is with you. You can believe that he's going to meet your needs. You can believe that he wants to show up for you. You can trust him. This story is a story about immense trust. And I want you to know something this morning. There's some of you in this place 
Like God is stirring your heart. And he's calling you. And he's been leading you or speaking to you. And he, he's got a call on your life. And he wants to do something in you and through you. He wants to set you apart. You see, God has a call on all of our lives. It's not just pastors and people in ministry. He has a call for all of us. He's got an assignment for every single one of us. He has, he has wired you uniquely a certain way for a certain reason. He's put gifts inside of you. He's given you the personality you have, the spiritual gifts you have, the natural abilities you have. He's put those inside of you for a reason. And it's because he wants to use those things in your life to bring him glory. He's got an assignment. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for you to contribute to this world in a powerful way. And he's stirring that. And maybe some of you have thought, man, I think I'm, I'm done. I think my calling's done. I think my, uh, it, it never really happened the way, life hasn't happened the way I thought. I thought by now things would be different in my life. I want you to know you're not behind. You're not behind. Someone needs to hear that this morning. You're not behind. God is working in you. But here's the thing. Authenticity, logic, and empathy. We live in a world full of influencers. We live in a world where instead of being authentic, we are constantly trying to be like someone else. We are constantly looking at these people who have thousands and thousands and millions of followers and saying, what are they do? I gotta do what they do. We're constantly comparing ourselves and we're trying to be like someone else. And God's not looking for that. I don't think God's ever gonna say, hey, Chris, at the end of my life, why weren't you more like Billy Graham? Why weren't you more like Stephen Furtick? I think he's gonna say, why weren't you more like who I created you to be? He wants your authentic self. He wants to know that you're gonna listen to him. That's where the logic comes in, the competency, the judgment. He wants you to, he wants to know you're gonna listen. That you're gonna take some time out of your day and set it apart and say, God, what do you want to say to me? How do you want to lead me. I'm going to know your word so that I can walk in your ways. See, we want God's blessing and we want God to trust us and we want to be used by God and we want to know that he's with us. But what did Mary and Joseph have? They were committed to this and to him. It's very hard 
for God to speak to you and to lead you and to provide for you and to do all the things you're looking for him to do when we're not spending any time with him. He's he's looking for an opportunity. And then he's also looking for people who are empathetic. What are you gonna do with what I've given you? Are you gonna keep it all to yourself? Are you gonna only think about you? Or are you willing, like Mary and Joseph, to lay the future on the line to do what I'm calling you to do? Authenticity, logic, and empathy, these are the characteristics of trust. And God wants to use you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to give you a calling. Maybe not as magnifying or as big as Mary and Joseph, but one that still requires trust and faith. Would you be willing to accept it? Even if the cost is high, would you be willing to say, God, I trust you no matter what. So no matter where you find yourself this season, I don't know where you're at, but I know one thing is true. That we have a God who loves us, who's working all things together for the good, and who trusts us, wants to use us, wants to be there for us, wants to let us know that we're not alone. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we're not alone and that we can trust you. Lord, I know there's people in this place this morning walking through really, really hard things. I know there's people in this room and watching online where the future feels uncertain. I know there's people in this room that the holidays represents an immense amount of pain or heartache or uncertainty. I don't know what all their situations are, but you do, Father. And I just pray that everyone would leave this room, leave watching this video knowing that they're not alone, that you're with them and they can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.